it's not always just your mind. There are spirits that have been assigned to you to try to get you down. To try to stop your destiny. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. To try to distress you. Just to harass you. Kind of like a fly buzzing around your head. Just irritate you all the time. And talk to you and mess with your mind. And come against you and try to hinder what you're doing in God. He's like a, just like a fly irritating you. You know, that's torment. That's what the word torment means. But if I'm tormented, doesn't mean I'm possessed. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible talks about not only men that demons torment, but the Bible talks about men who torment demons. Jesus walks up and there's a man who's got all he got all kind of demons he's got a legion of demons inside of him and that's those spirits inside of this man said torment us not before the time so I you know listen to me there's sometimes the devil will torment or demons will torment you because you're a Christian but you need to get in a place in God where they don't just torment you but that you torment them so that when Jesus came across certain people who had demons, he tormented them. <laughs> he cast them out and sent them into pigs. See, I don't want to just be tormented by the enemy. I want to torment him day and night. I want him to see my face constantly. I want to harass him. I want to distress him. I want when he comes against me, I want him to feel like he's in a ship against a strong wind. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. In fact, most of the time when the word tormented is used, it has to do with men tormenting him. Woo! See, God has given the same power that Jesus had. He said in Mark chapter 16, he said, you, one of the signs that would follow you is that you would cast out devils. You have. I'm not talking about preachers here. I'm talking about all of you have power and authority to cast out devils. You've got power and authority. Oh, I God. You've got power and authority to drive him crazy. If the Bible said in Matthew chapter 4 that some of those spirits, you know, you look at them, some of them uh, were lame because the spirits, are you with me? Some of them were lunatic. They were crazy because spirits were tormenting them. Well, I guess what I want to do, I want to make him lame. I want to make him go crazy. I want him to lose his ever-loving mind. When demons get together and start talking about me or this church and they got plans to try to come against it and torment it and distress it and harass it, I want them to be having this conversation. Well, I would rather go to the other church up the street. Please don't assign me to Bible-centered fellowship or any of those people there. Because every time I come against them to harass them or distress them, you see, I can't do nothing with that, people. Because when I try to harass them and distress them and put them down, all they do is keep living for Jesus. All they do is keep praising the Lord. 
thrown everything else I everything I possibly could at them. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. But I can't stop their praise. And I can't stop their prayer. And I can't stop them from going to church. And I can't stop their excitement. I just they are tormenting me. God. Are y'all okay? If you're never harassed and never distressed by spirits, you need to check out where you are. Because if you're harassed and distressed and hindered by demons, that's a good indicator that you are where you should be in God. Because if the enemy ever lifts his pressure off of you, you better start checking your walk out. Because he only lifts his pressure off of the people that belong to him. Yeah, man. See, this little guy knows what I'm talking about. See what I'm saying? This guy's responding now. This is the Holy Ghost speaking right now. You've been tormented all day. You thought it was just you. You just thought it was your mind. You just thought you had some problem at your job. You, that's what you looked at it as. But behind the scenes, there's an invisible spiritual world that comes against the body to harass and distress and hinder. But I made up my mind. I'm not giving in to it. I'm not bowing my knee to that spirit. I can sense it when it comes into this church. And it tries to sit on this service. It tries to sit on this one and tries to sit on that one. Tries to sit on that one. I can sense it. But you, I got, I'm, oh yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. The devil's not going to have his way. Jesus is going to. So the word torment is a biblical word. It just, you've been harassed. How many of y'all been harassed? You've been distressed. You feel like you're going in that boat. It's like a big old headwind coming against you. It's like this. It's pushing you down. Amen. That's torment. Say torment. Another word that is a biblical word is oppression. Acts 10 and verse 38. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. Healing all that were sick. Are you with me? Healing those that were oppressed, oppressed, say oppressed, of the devil. The word oppressed is when the devil is not just tormenting a person, the devil has overpowered them. To oppress somebody means you've made a slave out of them. It means you've taken control over them, overpowered them. Are you with me right now? Give God some praise. So Jesus in Acts 10, the Bible says, He healed all those that were oppressed by the devil. Those that the devil turned into slaves and those that the devil had overpowered their life. Not just come and harass them. Not just come against them and attack them. But overpowered them and conquered them and made a slave out of them. But Jesus came to bring deliverance to the oppressed. And if you've been overpowered by the darkness tonight, Jesus is here. 
to set you free from that overpowering control of the demon powers so that now you can become a slave of Christ, a slave to his word, walking in his authority and walking in his power. That's the word oppressed. Another word that's used in the Bible is the word possession. Just because a person is tormented or just because they've been overpowered by the devil doesn't mean they are possessed. To be possessed means the devil has entered inside of that person and dethroned their conscience. You hearing me? So that the devil, whenever he chooses to, he rises up, he rules through their conscience, and he just takes over, and he speaks to them. He, oh God, I've seen it myself. I know what I'm talking about. The person doesn't even know what they're saying, doesn't even know what they're doing. The devil's inside of them and has dethroned that person's ability to choose and, and to make decisions, uh, proper decisions. He, the devil has taken that person's reason away from them. They know longer have reason. The Bible calls them lunatic. They've been struck by the moon. So they're crazy. They're insane. Unpredictable. They cast themselves in the fire. They cast themselves in the water. Trying to kill themselves. Because the devil has dethroned their ability to reason. Give God praise. That when a person is possessed, that person has to be delivered. You got to cast that devil out. You can't counsel a devil because a devil doesn't reason. You can't sit down and talk to a devil. You got to say, devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. He starts trying to put on a show. Say, so you can't put on a show here. God's in charge here. See, they love to inhabit humanity. Demons love and long to inhabit humanity. As long as they're not inside of a body, they can't fulfill their lust the way they would like to fulfill their lust. And they're in a dry place. Are you with me? So they seek to inhabit the vessels of humanity. And they'll try to move inside of them because it's warm and it's moist there. And they can fulfill their lustful desires there. And use these people against God and His kingdom. So they want to inhabit men. People that you rub shoulders with in the store, in the marketplace, uh, that you just look at in their eyes. They're hollow. It's, something's not right there. Uh, something has been dethroned. Uh, the reason is gone. I want you to know a lot of them are not just mentally sick. A lot of them have spirits inside of them. And those spirits, if you're possessed by them, they've got to be cast out. Cast out. Are you hearing me? Cast out. If you're tormented, you need deliverance. If you're oppressed, you need deliverance. If you're possessed, the devil's got to be cast out. Now, that's the word possession. Another word that is often used that we don't even realize, it is an English word that's not found in the New Testament. It's called obsession. Obsession is when a spirit... Uh, causes a person to be displaced it's when a spirit say obsession it's when a spirit doesn't just torment a person every once in a while hit them leave hit them leave but it is a persistent obsessive attack day and night they are attacked 
They're attacked when they get up. They're attacked when they go to bed. They're attacked when they sleep. They're attacked in their dreams. It's a constant obsession that has taken place in them. They need deliverance also. Give God praise. So when Jesus went forth, he cast out devils. He healed those that were oppressed. He delivered those that were tormented. If they were obsessed, he took care of them. Give God praise. Now, in Matthew chapter 12. Hello, somebody. In Matthew 12, the Bible talks about a man. A devil was cast out of him. What time? Yeah, it's still early. I got good eyes. It's still early. There was a man that a demon was cast out of. The Bible says what those demons do is they go into dry places. They left that warm, moist human body and they go off in the dry place. And the scripture says he goes out in that dry place, he finds seven more spirits worse than himself. He says, come on, let's go back and see the man that I was in, that I was cast out of. See his condition. See his state. See where he is right now. So he gets seven spirits just like him. And he takes them back to that man. And the Bible says when they get there, they check the man out to see if he's full or he's vacant. See, you can be delivered from demons and demons be cast out of you. But if there's nothing that has come and taken the place of that, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, then those, that one devil plus seven more come back and enter back into that man so that the final state of that man is worse than the beginning of that man. Because the devil knows when you're vacant and he knows when you're full. If you are vacant tonight, you are subject for devils to come inside of you that's why we must stay full of the Holy Ghost so that when that spirit comes back to us with seven more worse than himself he doesn't just see us cleaned up he doesn't just see our house swept and garnished but he sees somebody's living in the house But if nobody's living in the house, he just moved right back in. But when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're sealed with the Spirit. The word sealed means you're authentic. And so the devil himself, when he sees a person full of the Spirit, sees the seal of God upon them and says, I can't go inside of that person because they're sealed with the Holy Ghost. They recognize that you're real. They recognize that you're authentic. They recognize when you're full. And they recognize when you're empty. So, I'm trying to help you today. Not just show you how to cast out devils. But I'm trying to show you that when the person is delivered, they've got to get full of the Holy Ghost. Because if they don't, what's going to happen is they're going to end up worse than they were before if something doesn't fill that place. Give God praise. So church, if you're having problems with the devil, I tell you what you do. You get full of God. If you'll get full of God, the devil will run away from you. He'll turn and hightail it away. 
just because God forgave you of your sins and cleansed you and made your house clean that's no sign that the devil's not going to come back and enter in you again so you got to stay full of the Holy Ghost that's why you got to be praying that's why you got to be worshiping that's why you got to keep going to church so you stay in God stay full of God and the devil recognizes the seal of authenticity the Holy Ghost he recognizes are you with me here he recognizes the seal of authority that person's got blood on them but not just blood he's got Jesus in them so they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost And then number two, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor. That we must put on the whole armor of God. Because when those spirits come back, you have to have the armor of God upon you to stay victorious. So they don't come and re-inhabit you. Give God praise. That's why it's very serious if a person comes into the church repents, gets their sins forgiven, gets water baptized, has all those sins washed away for them to go out there in that world and start living in the world again to backslide. They open themselves up to demons that will come and live back inside of them and they will end up worse. Worse than what they were before the devil was cast out. That's why there's some people who have demons they're better left alone. Because if you go cast out every devil you, you know is in a person. If they are not ready to be filled with the Spirit. You open them up for greater demonic possession than what they had before. That's why you've got to be very sensitive to what God is telling you when you get involved in that. Because God may tell you don't touch it. Because if you do this person's not ready to be filled. And they'll be worse than they were before. Are you hearing me? It's serious, church. But I thank God today that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So I don't walk around afraid of the devil. I don't walk around afraid of demons. You need to know who you are. That the same power that Jesus had to cast him out you have it you've got it and when you walk in there and know who you are know you're a son of God know that Jesus is in you and know you have power and authority over them you can send them on their way and not even not fear not even blink an eye they are not greater than Jesus (laughs) so you start feeling stuff that takes you to places that are out of character. You start acting, th- acting out of character. You start talking out of character. You start doing things out of character. You've been praying. You've been walking close to God. But you've been, do- you know, strange. Mark it down. There's demons who come to your house. They've come to your house. They'll come to the church. I've sensed them when I was preaching, come, they'll come and sit down beside somebody or on somebody. That person's face will begin to distort 
and begin to change. Darkness takes over the place of light. I've seen it manifest as I preach. And a lot of times I won't even deal with it. Because if I do, I'll give it attention. But I've seen it happen. I've seen it in an instant. I've seen it, church. I've seen it. And I know what I'm dealing with. And I'm talking about good men and women of God. I'm talking about saved men and women of God. But a spirit gets a hold of the mind. And something comes over them. And they start acting and talking and doing things they normally would not do. It's strange stuff. Tormented by demons. You know, and I know you think I'm a crazy preacher, but that's why I feel it a necessity that when we come to church, that we give it all we got. That, that we praise God. That we sing, that we shout, that we whatever. So that when I leave here tonight... I don't walk back in my house and a devil's waiting for me to stir up trouble, problems and warfare, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Got to be where God can feel you, where the armor of God's upon you. And you can walk in a place, are you with me? Where the devil, may, the devil cannot even touch you. The Bible says if you walk in a place you're supposed to walk, the devil doesn't even touch him. The devil can't even touch you if you walk where you're supposed to walk. But if you give place to the devil by what you watch, what you read, where you go, what you do, the crowd you run with. If you give place for that devil, he'll stick his foot in and then push the door wide open and walk in your house and try to take it completely over. That's why you've got to be careful. Hello, somebody. God's a good God. Give him praise. When the enemy shows up in church, if you're a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, he didn't, he didn't possess you. But what he does is he comes like a fowl of the ear to grab that word. Y'all pray for me. There's a lot of times that I sent stuff out there trying to take the word and I can only see flesh. But really what it is is spirits out there messing with your mind trying to distract you trying to get you off focus trying to get me off focus trying to are you hearing me they're devils pray for me that i'm sensitive to recognize that it's not just you or flesh but it's their spirits out there trying to mess with my people trying to distract my people trying to destroy the sheep but remember this if all of us stay in a place that place in God where we're supposed to, to stay. The devil one toucheth him not. Let's go on. Jesus taught in parables. And I close with this very quickly. In Matthew 13, the Bible talks about. So it was not just his miracles, but it's his teaching. His teaching was more powerful than his miracles. 
His word was more powerful than his miracles. His word was more powerful than healing the sick. More powerful than casting out devils. More powerful than anything he did. His word. One thing he holds above his name. And that is his word. I don't come to church looking for some kind of show to take place. Hallelujah. Are you with me right now? I come to church for one thing. And that's to hear the almighty word of God. I can't let nothing distract me. No devil. No problem. No circumstance. No condition. No battle. I've got to get what God's wanting me to hear for that day. So Jesus went forth. He taught in parables. Why did he teach in parables? Why didn't he just come out and tell it, tell it plainly where everybody could understand it? He taught in parables for one reason and one reason only. So that the true followers would be the only ones that could and would understand him. He did not teach in a way for those that were just curious. So that those that were just curious could understand. He taught in a way that only the very sincere, true believer could understand what he said. Give God praise. So the first, are you with me? So the first prayer we're going to talk about, Matthew 13. The sower went forth to sow. The sower is Jesus. The seed is the word. In our day, it's, the, it's you. If you go out and spread the word, it's you. I don't care if you're a preacher or what. I don't care if you stand behind a pulpit. When you take that word of God out, you are sowing seed. The seed of God's word. So the sower went forth to sow. There's nothing wrong with the sower in the parable. There's nothing wrong with the seed in the parable. The focus of Jesus in the parable is the hearts of men. The focus of Jesus in the parable is the ground. Give God praise. So Jesus said the sower goes forth to sow. Now watch this. He sows the word of God out there. Hallelujah. Some falls by the wayside. It falls by on hard ground. That's a picture of the hard-hearted person. I want to talk about four souls. Hard-hearted person. So they come to church. Or you're out there teaching the Bible study to them. Watch. The hard-hearted person in this parable, the wayside person, the Bible said the fowls of the air come and take away what was sown. You with me? Or what was thrown out, what fell on the wayside. And then he explains in verse 19, I believe it is. You have to check me on that verse. But anyway, in that parable, he said that the fowls are demons. Demons. The demons come to snatch away the word of God that fell on the hard ground. A hard-hearted person is the person who hears it here and it goes out here. In this soil, there is no response at all by that person. They do not respond to the message. In one ear, out the other. So it is wasted seed. Wasted. No response. In one year, out the other. Because the devil comes and takes it away. 
And, because, and so because they don't want to understand, because they choose not to understand, then they cannot understand because it's written for those that truly want to know and those that truly want to follow. And so because they don't understand, their heart's hard and they just get out, no response, and leave. And that's it. It's wasted. The word was wasted. Hello. I've preached to all four soils. I've preached the word. I've sowed the soil to the heart to the wayside. It was going in one ear out, out the other. The devil was taken away. They got up, walked out of church. No response. Never came back. They were not interested in the least bit about this. They are hard-hearted people. Okay. Then he talks about, he said, some of the seed falls on stony ground. Stony ground. Say stony ground. This is shallow-hearted people. Shallow-hearted people. Because upon that stony ground is a thin layer of soil, the scripture says. And when this word goes forth and sown on the stony ground, it comes up real fast. It responds very quickly. Because the rock keeps it warm. Are you with me? Keeps the soil warm so it springs up real fast. The Bible says about this particular person, this shallow-hearted person, is the person that very gets, gets real excited about the word at the first. The Bible said, anon with joy, they receive the word. So there is a respond in this person. They respond with joy and excitement. But because they are shallow-hearted, the word that's sown in them springs up quickly. There's a quick response. But because there's no depth of, depth of soil there, then the sun comes up and scorches that. And anon they are offended and fall away. Now the Bible said what the, the, the sun represents is when trouble and persecution arise for the word's sake... They are offended. So just as quickly as they respond, just as quickly they go. That's a shallow-hearted person. Are you here? Persecution and problems. Okay, watch. Then he says... He said, some of the seed fell in the thorny ground. Thorny ground. Say thorns. Say thorns. But what happens is the thorns choke out the good seed. It chokes out the good word. And he goes on, he defines for us what those thorns are. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful so you have to be careful that uh, good things don't choke out the better thing See, there's some things in life, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. But if they begin to choke out the better, which is the kingdom of heaven, the word of God in your life, then what's happening is the good is choking out the better. You're losing your priorities. You're losing your focus. And you become unfruitful because of the cares of this life. And the deceitfulness of riches. You start focusing on this present world. That's the thorns. 
But the fourth, and, and the thorns would be, let's see, hallelujah. We had a, we had a hard-hearted person. We had a shallow-hearted person. What would the thorns be? I'll, I'll have to check on that one. I've got it in my Bible. I'll have to check on it, give it to you. But that's, that's a heart. That's a heart. Hallelujah. Half-hearted. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Half-hearted person. Hard-hearted, shallow-hearted, and half-hearted. The half-hearted person is just halfway in the kingdom. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches are pulling him away. Are pulling her away. Half-hearted. Not all the way in. Not committed. Not loyal. Not dedicated. Halfway. Half-hearted people. The fourth soil is good ground. <laughs> but hear me. Only one out of four people who hear the word are good ground. Three out of four fall on other, those other three categories. Only one out of four is good ground. And the Bible said they received the word of God. And they keep that word. They keep what they hear. And they produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. They are, they are a producing Christian. They are a reproducing reproductive Christian they are impacted by the word body soul and spirit their minds committed their hearts committed their spirits committed their focus is committed their body is committed they're there they're with God all the way so tonight I choose to I want to be the good ground I don't want to be hard hearted I don't want to be shallow-hearted. I don't want to be half-hearted. I want to be the good ground. Whole-hearted. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Whole-hearted. Say whole-hearted. The Word of God, the kingdom of heaven has touched every area of my life. And every area of my life belongs to Jesus. And so Jesus takes that and he explains it to him. And he said, your hearts have become dull. They become heavy. They become fat. They become unresponsive. And let me tell you right now, the word torment that is connected with demon torment is connected with the word that he uses in Matthew 13. And the word is dull. Is dull. Dull. Their hearts have become dull. D-U-L-L, dull. So if your heart is becoming dull, 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 then you are literally operating in the realm of demonic torment. Something has got a hold of you. Now, ooh, that shakes me up. Because that means if 400 people come into this church according to the percentage that Jesus has laid out, only 100 of the 400 are going to remain. So I told you earlier, you need to thank God that you are in His church tonight. You need to praise God that you're still here tonight because there's a lot of people who have come and have gone. And they're in the world. They've backslidden. They're apostates. But you're here. And if you are, man, that's something. 
if you only knew how valuable that was. Because there is so much. Look at this. The first one, the fowls, the devil. The second one, watch this. Say the second one. The shallow ground. Say shallow ground. Yeah, yeah. Persecution. Persecution. Say with me, the devil, the world. And then we've got the, the thorny ground that choked the seed. That's the world. No, no, world, the devil, and the flesh. Anyway, anyway, the world and the devil and the flesh is what is seen right there. You've got three enemies. Three enemies you have to overcome. The world, the devil, and your flesh. And those three seeds right there are the world, the devil, and the flesh. The cares of this world, the world. You with me? The fowls of the air, the devil. Huh? The flesh is the one which what? Mm -mm. Anyway, I'll get it for you, all right? But I'm trying to show you something. Hallelujah. You, you try to stand up here and preach 20 messages in one. <laughs> this is not an easy task. But God is helping me. Because I've got to get this in your understanding. I've got to get this in your spirit. Because the, the world, the devil, and the flesh is out to take you to hell. You have to be an overcomer to be the good ground. Next parable I just want to talk to you for just a little bit about is the parable of the hid treasure. Parable of the hid treasure. Is that it? Yeah, right there. Okay. The parable of the hid treasure. There's a man who goes in the field. Talk, say value. Value. This man goes in the field. He's a servant. He starts plowing the field. All of a sudden, he hits something in the field. Come to find out, it's a big old treasure chest. Woo, cool, huh? Kind of like Sister Jennifer chasing down money on Walmart parking lot. She said, I'm almost ready to buy Walmart just to have the treasure on the lot. But this guy finds his treasure in the middle of the field. You see, but he's a servant. He really can't afford to buy it. So what he does is, he finds his treasure. He goes and sells everything he's got. So he can get the money to go and buy that one little field that he found the treasure in. He valued the kingdom of heaven. He put such a high value on the kingdom of heaven. He said, I'll sell everything I got to possess that. Most people don't value God. They don't value his kingdom like that. They don't, they're not willing to sell everything they got to have that. That's a person who understands how valuable God's kingdom is. Now I know some of you are thinking over there, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, give me a break. Hello. First dimension preaching. I know that's Jesus. He, 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 listen, he gave everything. He died on the cross to purchase you, the treasure in the field. Or if you really want to get technical with me, because I've always got the Pharisees in my crowd. The treasure is Israel and the pearl is the church. So hello there, funny, funny. But I'm trying to bring it down to practicality to us. We need to value the kingdom of heaven. 
this man, he was a servant. He couldn't afford the field, but he said, I value it so much, that treasure that's there, to go sell everything I got to possess it. But it's sad today that most people out there in the world and a lot of people in the church have no understanding how valuable the things of God are. They put Jesus number two or number three or number four. Can I tell you something? He will not be number three, number two, number three or number four. He has to be number one or he will be nothing at all. I said he must be number one or nothing at all. How much do you value him? How much do you value his church? How much do you value his kingdom? And I can tell you right now by testimony that I pastor a church that values God, his kingdom, and his church. I know it's seen by your lifestyle. It's seen by what your priorities are. It's seen by how you live and what your focus is. How valuable is this? How valuable. How valuable is your soul to you? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? How valuable is it? Do you appreciate it? Is it worth staying till 934, 935? Is it worth it? I guess I get so weary. I get so weary. With this lack of devotion and commitment to the things of God. Where people have no time. They don't value it. It's not important. It's not important. Get upset. Oh, well, hello. And I hear, I hear that again. But pastor, you're not talking to us, are you? No, no. No, no, not in my church. Not in the church I pastor. I'm talking to somebody out there. And, and I'll just tell you this. If I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. Okay? I'm talking to me. How much do I value this? A lot of people, you couldn't pay them to teach a Bible study to them. They'd still turn you down if you offered them money to teach about lies. No, I don't have time. Don't have time to go to church. I'm too busy. You showed us your priority. You showed us what's valuable to you. Oh, God's good. And the last parable we're going to talk about in the last, last part of this Bible study is the parable of the mustard seed. Now, <laughs> I'm very tempted. I could preach an hour on that. Because this is a freak of nature. Because you got this little seed. Little seed, and the Bible says it grows into a mustard tree. I've never seen a mustard tree. It's a freak of nature. It's a picture of Roman Catholicism. I wish I had time to prove it to you. But the Bible talks about all these fowls of the air, these cardinals. and <laughs> How do you know that, preacher? Because this parable parallels the church and the book of Revelation. And that church lays over on that parable. And it's the church of Catholicism. That's how I know. 
But anyway, let me get now. I don't want to talk to you about that. Because you don't have time. <laughs> don't hit me. Don't stop me. It's a freak of nature for a mustard seed to turn into a mustard tree. But anyway, let's just get down here and I'll finish real quick, okay? Mustard seed's real small. Falls to the ground and becomes large. Jesus started. He did it the slow way. He fell to the ground as a seed into the earth. That seed come up on resurrection morning. It began to produce. He walked with, he put himself into 12 disciples. By the way, he chose 12 disciples in his earthly ministry. They were his cabinet. He put his whole life into 12. Because once he died, bearing rose again and ascended on high, he needed 12 men to go out and preach that gospel, to preach that message. So he put his life into 12. All right. So it started small. Started with him, went to 12. From 12, went to 120. From 120, there was about 500 that knew about the resurrection. From men, you know, oh, we got, well, we got 3,000 here. And then we got 5,000 here in the book of Acts. And so pretty soon that little bitty mustard seed, that small beginning, begins to increase, 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 increase until it fills the whole earth. And that's the way the kingdom of God is always. It's always like that. It always starts with small beginnings. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. If you've got the faith, faith, the size of a mustard seed, one grain, all it takes is one, that little bit of faith. And you walk up to the mountain and say, be thou removed and cast in the depth of the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, it'll be done. That's how powerful a grain of mustard seed is and how great something so small can become. If we'll just learn how to exercise the faith that is inside of us. God, see, I, here I go. God put a seed in every one of you. He put a seed in every one of you. About the size of a mustard seed. Everybody in this church has faith. Everybody in the world has faith. In something. The question is, what are you putting your faith in tonight? Tonight, if you've got Jesus in you and you're a born-again child of God, God put a seed in you. And in that seed is everything you need and everything you ever be and everything you're ever supposed to do is already in that seed. He's already done it. So don't be weary in well-doing. For you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Not everybody's going to endure. Something's going to fall by the wayside. But, it, man, I'm telling you, for those who endure to the end, on two-hour message, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm just, really, I wish I could lay it out there like some of those awesome preachers. You know, they can say everything in 30 minutes and, I'm talking about say it too, man. But I'm over here just struggling, stumbling, falling down. I'm, I'm serious. Doing my best. 
But I hope that something tonight that has been preached, you know, has gone inside of your heart that will affect your destiny, that will affect your decisions tonight and tomorrow and years to come. One little thing that is said tonight. If one thing, one little seed, however small it might be, entered into you tonight, it will affect your destiny. It was worth my time in your time. Good night, I'll see you. In Jesus' name, it's, it's getting late. So y'all better hurry, scatter along. So you're not mad at me. I love y'all. Y'all been good. Y'all been good tonight.